0: Welcome to episode 46 of Lime Ninja Radio. I am your host, McKay Rippey, and with me is Aurora. Hello. And today is the U.S. Women's World Cup edition of Lime Ninja Radio. Woohoo! <laughs> Congratulations to the Women's World Cup team for really putting the hammer down on Japan. Really? Yes. Yeah, yeah they were up. Three to nothing, 17 minutes into the game or something like that. It was, And they were up two to nothing within five minutes. It was just awesome. Oy. Unless you're a fan of the Japanese game. The Japanese players are incredible, but weren't enough to handle the U.S. today. Yep. Thanks for that insightful comment, Aurora. <laughs> this week's guest is Jason Boritz. He's a filmmaker, and he gave us the shortest bio ever, So, Aurora, why don't you read that to us?
1: Okay. Uh, Jason Boritz is a filmmaker, writer, empowerment coach, and entrepreneur. You can find his recent book, The Ultimate Transformation, on his journey through Lyme disease on Amazon.com.
0: And you can find his interview right here on Lyme Ninja Radio. And here it is. So this is quite a document you put together, this book.
2: Yeah, I mean, when I... um, So when I got... When I started not feeling well, you know, I went from making films, um, directing, you know, directing films and doing all these things to basically my mind being on being mush, I can barely comprehend a script. And I felt like I was dragging my body around. So everything I was doing 24 hours a day was on intuition. And in this fog intuition, pretty much right away, even before I got the Lyme diagnosis, I decided to start this blog not knowing what it would turn to. And I just kept going with it. And, you know, eventually about uh, like a year and a half into it or so, I was like, oh, I should, you know, I should write a book about this. I had never written screenplays and things. I had never written a book. right? And it just made sense to me. And I turned basically the blog into a way bigger version of a book because I knew it could really help people putting – a personal, um, like, day to day life of everything that you go through, and also bring more awareness because, um, you know, there are, sure, there's like, you know, Dr. Horowitz's book and Stephen Buhner's book and books like that that are very, of course, research based, right? you know, and treatment books, but there's not really many books that really show the ins and outs of what it, the personal ins and outs of everything you go through. And I was very vulnerable and open with the whole thing. And, um, I just felt, you know, a lot of people could connect to that. And I think it's just as important that aspect of it, if not more, um, than the tangible physical elements of taking antibiotics or herbs or acupuncture or, you know, supplements, et cetera. Um, this is just as much important the transformation that takes place as you evolve and everything you go through. So.
0: Yeah, there's no straight path to healing Lyme, is
2: there? No, there's definitely um, not a straight path. And I feel like every single person has the reason there isn't a straight path is, I mean, from a tangible physical standpoint is, you know, we all have, of course, have different genetic makeup, different personalities, different detox pathways, different things like that. But 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 even more so, we have different journeys in life. We have different things we go through. We have different reasons why things happen. You know, things don't I believe happen, I mean, I believe they all happen for a reason, and there's a bigger transformation, a bigger shift that takes place on why that's happening, and each person's journey is their own. And, you know, and you kind of, as you kind of go through it, you kind of, like, I feel as you heal more, you get more clarity on why you went through everything, and more stuff comes up no matter how hard it is. So, yeah, there isn't... um, you know, one straight path. There's so many layers to it. Uh, you know, it's it's very multifaceted because it takes over your whole being. I feel the yeah. bacteria. So,
0: so. You, when you're talking about this clarity, are you talking about kind of on the on the spiritual level, on the physical level? What what did you mean by that? I think
2: it's everything. I think it's everything. I think it's like, um, you know, I think. I mean, I can only mostly, of course, speak to myself, but I'll take from from. For myself, for instance, um, before, around right before I started not feeling well, all these kind of universe, all these all these kind of things were, kind of happened in my life that kind of went my shift in my life and kind of went kaput. And I wasn't, on top of that, living the life I really wanted to be living. I wasn't as successful as a filmmaker as I wanted to be. I wasn't, I was struggling and stuff like that. And then all these, kind of other things um, uh, started happening. So for me, I feel, yeah, like it, it. there is a deep spiritual part of it, but it also, like, I think you just totally change as a person, and you hear it so often with people who get better, that you actually become a better person in the end, and you get rid of all this clutter and stuff like that. So even though, yes, there's a big spiritual side of it, I think you actually I mean, from a physical sense, you actually, yeah, you change, you you go through so much and your body changes and everything. so, um, coming back but you mentioned you know, with the clarity, I think you um, you just become more dealing with stuff is very hard, but when you deal with stuff, you can either avoid it and not deal with anything, and things build up and it and they and you don't really. Get into, I guess, which you know, you you can get your normal nine to five job. You can get your your, uh, you know, stay sick. You can bottle your emotions. You cannot. You can pop pills. You cannot deal with it, or you can deal with it and get more clarity into yourself. And I feel like that translates to creating the you know the life you want and uh, the direction you want and and healing. Um, because I mean, why are we getting bit? Why are we not getting better? We're getting better because. We want to fulfill our life's purpose. We want to fulfill what we want to do with our life. So, I hope I answered your question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's an open-ended question, so you did brilliantly.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, but I'm I'm curious. So, I mean, because you know, I'm I'm always working on myself too. Part of being a, a healer is you can't take your patient anywhere you haven't gone. Sure. I feel sure. so I mean I'm tr- constantly trying to to clear things up and and you know I don't pretend that I'm perfect by any stretch of imagination but the it, at least I'm grappling with you know my own addiction to sugar and whatever viral and spirochete stuff is left over that's messing with my gut and me and things like that. Um and and there is you know various points of clarity That, that, that come through and then I try to pass those on to my, my patients. And can you give an example of, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. (laughs) I'll show you. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, one of the, the things, uh, that, that really has kind of held me back in, and, uh, getting out there as an acupuncturist is, and I didn't really realize that the the, the word is embarrassment. And it's funny because I'd spent all my life not being embarrassed, pretending to not be embarrassed or fighting through it or being competent at something so I wouldn't be embarrassed. And I don't have problems speaking in front of groups, so I'm never embarrassment like that. Uh, sure. through college, I was, I played an instrument. I definitely got embarrassed playing an instrument if I would make a mistake. I chose a French horn, which is just, it's like in a mistake waiting to have happen. And so my solo sure. opportunities playing with that were always disastrous because I would hyperventilate. And if you play a wind instrument and hyperventilate, it's not a good combination. Um, so anyway, sure. so but this goes back to there's this event that happened. My mom, when I was two and a half years old, left me in a, a carriage, one of those great blue carriages with the big white wheels. And she she left me to take my brother and I think to get a shopping cart in this this uh this little grand union on columbia road in washington dc and the carriage i was in started going downhill <laughs> and That's she true. wasn't there so i'm going downhill about to crash some you know, lady grabs the carriage and stops it from crashing my mother's coming down the hill and she's absolutely hysterical and, uh, what, what I remember out of that is my embarrassment about my mother is like, she wouldn't, the, the lady was giving her an out and she wouldn't take it. So she just kept on saying, Oh, I'm the worst mother in the world or whatever she was saying. My little two year old brain remembers, but it was just the, the, you know, the, the woman was trying to calm her down and my, my mother was inconsolable, embarrassed about the moment. So I think, you know, my whole life since then has been about, okay, I'm not going to, not going to get myself in that situation. So, you know, th- this, is, uh, this is a new realization for me. And just being able to say something like, oh, I'm embarrassed. You know, here it is 17 minutes after 8. I said I'd call you at 8 o'clock. I got wrapped up talking to my wife. And, sure. you know, I was going to come up with all these excuses. Yeah, we had a thunderstorm and lost this. You know what? I'll just, just be embarrassed. So that, that type of freedom you know, comes, comes th- through looking at, at painful things, I think. And, and is, so is that, is that's kind of the stuff that, that you yeah, have to deal exactly. with? Yeah, that's exactly,
2: I mean, the fact that you can even recognize that is a kind of a big deal because most people avoid it. And I'll, and I'll give you an example. I'll, t- you know, for, for, I'll start with myself. Like when I, for me, you know, when I started not feeling well, A big part of it is that there was a physical, so I always, you know, this big attachment to my old self and, you know, who I was and these friends and all these people that eventually faded out. Part of the reason why I did that was because of the way I felt mentally. It, It kept me kind of grounded because I felt so lost and disoriented all the time in the world because of the way the bacteria affected me. But on top of that, it also was allowing me to really let go of my old self. And something I notice a lot of, you know, when you attach to your old self and to this old, the past, you can't, I feel really transform and really heal because you're kind of shifting to something new and you're, you're, you're trying to break free. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's recognizing these patterns. It's, you know, for me like that, or being a perfectionist or, People pleasing, or not taking care of myself, or have minimalistic lifestyle—you know—all these things that I kind of discover, these lessons that are learned, that I kind of, you know, that, that you know started coming out as I'm dealing with also the physical elements of it. I mean, you know, I would treat, you know, you know what was going on and, and treat things, but then there would always be so much emotional attachment to everything that you feel that comes up. And that's kind of part of the healing and recognizing that and feeling that. And I mean, it, you know, and it, it, it comes to even why I think women live longer than men. Women live longer than men because they, I think a big part of that is they're aware of their emotions and they feel their emotions <laughs> um, and they allow them to come out. I mean, I think it's just that simple because, you know, I believe there's such a metaphysical and emotional side to every single disease and I was actually talking to someone earlier about you know like cancer for instance cancer is going to keep reappearing if you don't deal with the old patterns that are underneath that it's going to keep coming back you're not going to heal with that and I feel that's the same thing with Lyme disease you know if you don't deal with why this is coming up if you're you know allowing yourself to allow these bugs and this power to kind of take over you you're going to keep being sick you know I don't care how many antibiotics or anything much you take, so I. Constantly so what pattern? Work.
0: So I'm. I'm going to ask you if you, can, if you can be specific here and open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so what pattern did you have to identify and give up, or what was the biggest one? Because I know oh, there's man. layers um, and layers. I mean, but-
2: like you know, like you. I think one of the biggest things is letting go of my old life and my old self, and I mean that's everything. I left. You know, all my friends disappeared my whole life disappeared, my whole filmmaking, you know, everything disappeared, and there's a physical, tangible side of that in my, you know, because I couldn't even, like, process it. Like, I drive by the house he lived in for five years in L.A., and I feel like it was unfamiliar to me, even though I remembered it. So I so, actually... So did, if, did
0: you consciously, you know, get new friends or let them go, or did they just c- couldn't...
2: I had you, to let them all go. I had to let everything go. I had to, like, isolate myself. I had to... um you know, kind of break myself down to nothing so I can rebuild. And that's so you Um, can
0: focus on healing?
2: To focus on healing, to focus on, you know, letting go of all these things that, you know, you don't necessarily want to let go of, and you want to have anger towards you. You want to have anger towards friends not being there. You want to have all this stuff, and you can't because it's not going to help you heal. It's not – you basically, like the way I look at it, you have to – you have to start from scratch. You know, you know, so much I feel for me also is like, oh, I don't do enough today. It's, I'm hard on myself when I actually would feel better. Right. I would get overwhelmed. Oh, I don't know where to begin. I left my whole life, all that stuff. And it's like, you know, learning to be present, learning to take things one step at a time, learning to enjoy life again, um, learning, I mean, to enjoy the present moment, enjoy everything in the life, not being about a goal and more being about, uh, being with it, learning how to let go of control. You know, that's I think a big thing. Like not knowing I couldn't control this. You know, making films, I I had I got I was able to control and direct, but my mind everything I couldn't right? control anything. <laughs> so, I mean, I can keep going on if you want. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's great.
2: I mean, um, but then a big thing that I think I should t- you know for me was fear. Like mm. I think. Yes, there's a fear component to the bacteria, but I think, you know, because of the way I felt, it made me fearful of everything I did in the world and every movement, and that fear also was crippling my healing.
0: So fear that things would get worse. Fear that fear, fear of that
2: things would get worse. Fear that I was going to hurt myself uh-huh. by moving because I because of the way my vision was. Fear someone something was going to happen to me. Fear just moving my life for fear, fear of doing all these things. And this is what also kept me isolated and not doing stuff for so long and, um, and everything. And it, and it, and even when I could fe- would feel better, right, that fear would kind of loom over things and I could you know, and, and it was, you know, I kept it to protect myself and yes, anxiety and fear is there to kind of protect yourself. But at the same time, it also, uh, created a lot of, um, you know, created a lot of the, you know, what was going on and a lot of the problems, uh, I feel, that hindered me moving forward and doing more things. Um, and been part of that is you don't trust your body, you don't trust things because of the way you feel all of a sudden, you go from doing all these stuff, like doing yoga four times a week, you know, making films, doing all these things, and then your body feeling so weird that, you know, when you're unaware, that you, you create a lot of fear behind it. Um, and that fear gets in the way of, you know, like I said, so many things. So,
0: Yeah, that's it's amazing. I've talked to quite a few people now, and a recurring theme is, you know, you get beyond the technical, uh, the, uh, this, uh, I took this antibiotic, I took this herb, I did uh-huh. this, and it really comes down to what you're talking about here, this kind of this deep personal spirit, I'm going to call it spiritual journey, you know, and maybe it's not, you know, spirit like a, a you know, seeing God or something like that, but it's something about connecting that deep part of yourself, kind of what your essence is. And then, like you said, rebuilding it. And it's, it's fascinating that that just comes up over and over again. I think in the beginning, a lot of people want to talk about, you know, the, which bands are positive on the test and which antibiotics. Sure, absolutely. You know, but, and, and that's all very, very important stuff because you got to get the right antibiotic in, in you or the right herb in you or the, go to the right doctor. Um, and actually you you had to sort through and i think this is important i want you to tell a little bit about the yeah. kind of the, the meta story of going to find different doctors cuz definitely some doctors can get you so far and then you hit a plateau and you have to move on and that that can be hard too cuz you find somebody who's finally listening to you kind of divorcing yourself or moving on from a doctor can can feel emotionally talking about scary right
2: it's not, not for me it wasn't scary it was more a lot of there was there was a lot of anger and frustration of doctors who did who were not competent that treated me when I was super sick okay and um, not feeling well and I was in their hands which happens to a lot of Lyme patients because of the way they feel mentally and they feel so isolated and they feel so alone they go to these doctors who you know oh, I know how to treat Lyme disease. I I can treat you and they don't know any better and they go to these doctors and they stick them on massive amounts of aggressive antibiotics right away without anything to detox, without anything, you know, checking their body and they get really sick, which was what happened to me. I, after a couple months, I actually found out what was, you know, what was going on and the doctor claimed she knew how to treat Lyme disease and I was just, you know, I my My mind could not, was in the hands of her because it couldn't really- it, it could barely process me just trying to eat every day, sure. let alone anything bigger so i'm she gives me uh you know like like she tells me to take uh six hundred milligrams of FAMP and two pills and five hundred milligrams of doxycycline, nothing to detox, nothing to boost my immune. but so like nothing else and it just made me super sick and I knew it wasn't getting better. And I, you know, and I ended up, you know, finding out like, like I figured after my clarity came later on that she kind of really took advantage of me. I felt like, and I, and I told her about that and, you know, and obviously she disagreed, but um, (laughs) it really had, that happens so often and and you see a lot of anger and frustration because of that happening. So then I went to another doctor who was, a Lyme literate doctor. This is in Washington, and that those doctors really for a couple of months just kept doing tests and tests, and then I ended up moving back to California and found another doctor who was nice, to, you know, treated me very simply with a couple herbs, cementomandrel. But I knew I, it wasn't enough, and I never really was getting better, even though I would have little bits of the cycle that were better. I knew I wasn't getting better, and that's when I my doctor and I'm finally you know on that path to really getting better and for me you know the antibiotics were the key but it, it took him even a long time to really want to do that and he was conservative and smart smart about it on purpose so um, uh, you know so I and I, I totally um, you know get that but but this but it took a lot of research and I'm lucky to find it, but I hear people switching doctors all the time and it's really, it's really hard because it's one, it's very Lyme disease is very hard to treat. There's so many layers to it as we talked about. And I think again, unfortunately there's a lot of people that take advantage of people and think they know how to treat it. And then months go by and thousands of dollars go by and they're not better. Right. So did I, I hope I answered correctly. <laughs>
0: you're doing beautifully. So you, you also have, I want to ask you about so many things. Like at the end of the book, you talk about like, like things like putting stickies around, you know, like, like hardcore tips. And I want to get into that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But before we do that is I'm, so I'm fascinated. You've got this interesting skill set and life experience, uh, intersection here. So the Lyme disease is one. The the history as a being in film and in Hollywood. So you kind of understand, kind of trying to figure out what the public is interested in and what they'll pay attention to, right? Because you want to sell absolutely. your, you want to do art, but you want to sell your film at the end of the day, right?
2: Sure, absolutely. And I'm also an entrepreneur, yeah, of so, course, as so, well. So
0: yeah, yeah, so, of course, yeah. So it's like, what, what is it gonna take? What will it take? for the Lyme disease to break through and people just to be aware of it. So, you you know, even, even if the doctors don't know, I mean, I don't know if you had this in the beginning, I'm sorry, I didn't get to this part of your book, Um, but it, no, well, I know you did because I did get to this part of your book Um, that just not being diagnosed in the beginning. And part of that is just blindness and lack of awareness. So, the, the actual definition of the word ignorance not that they're ignorant it's just people don't know it's
2: they it's, don't know yeah it's Correct. like
0: on you know the third level down on the radar it's not right there in front so what how how does the Lyme community break through it's like how do we have a hit you know
2: I mean I mean I, it's a good question I think um one I mean there's, there's a lot of ways to answer this. One, I think a narrative film, not a documentary, a narrative, well done, really good feature film, I mean, from a film standpoint, about it is something that would really help. I mean, take, for instance, Dallas Buyers Club, you know, with, with uh, you know, talking about AIDS in the 80s, and then they had another uh, film with Mark Ruffalo on HBO, um, you know, I think that will help a lot. You know, in raising awareness, um, I think. You know, I think there's unfortunately also a weird divide in all the com- in, in a lot of the communities and stuff. Uh, you know, I, it's a tricky thing because you want to raise all this awareness, you know, about Lyme disease, but at the same time you don't want to identify being sick as well because that's going to keep you sick. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a tricky thing with that. Um, but, you know, it, Lyme is, I think Lyme disease is also more controversial in some ways because it comes from a bacteria that can easily, fundamentally, if caught right away, be treated with very, very inexpensive antibiotics. AIDS was different, AIDS wasn't straightforward where you can just treat it this way. So there was all this money involved and money to be made, no matter, even with awareness. And if you figure out that Lyme disease, it, you know, that, that it's, it's from this bacteria and then you do more research and you figure out, oh, most MS patients have Lyme, yeah. have the bacteria, most ALS patients have the bacteria, most lupus patients, most Alzheimer's. And hey, we can treat this with very inexpensive antibiotics and catch this right away and all these people and put money into testing. Oh, that's not a good idea because, you know, then unfortunately, you know, you get, I mean, the unfortunate sad thing is then all this money, you know, goes away. So I think that has a big part to do with it as well because if you start raising more awareness, um, or the, go- you know, from a government standpoint, then, you figure out all these things, and these things kind of come to fruition, and then you realize that a lot of money gets taken away, and that's sad. I mean, it's sad, but it's the truth. Um, it's very cynical, but um, it's unfortunately, I think, a big part of it. So, um, you know, but yeah, I think, but coming back to it, I think, in, yeah, there needs to be some huge movie, you know, I think because movies such a big platform, I think that would definitely uh, help, or even if there was, let's say, a narrative TV show even that talked a lot about Lyme disease and an outbreak or whatever. You know, it, it needs to be something like that. I think that would even, they would give a lot more um, publicity, but it's, but it's multi-level. So. Interesting.
0: You know, my wife for a while was at the Hopkins School of Public Health, and they had a program where they worked... With Central American soap operas and inserting public health messages into the scripts. So maybe okay. we just need to get, uh, Game of Thrones, uh, Lyme disease episode. <laughs>
2: right? Right. <laughs>
0: Where somebody gets Lyme disease <laughs> or discover they had chronic Lyme disease or something like that.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what it, what, what needs to happen. But I feel if you have a little blip about it, that's not going to do much. Like, you know, like you'll hear of, Avril Levine or this celebrity having um, talking about it in, yep. you know, magazine. the magazine yep. and stuff, and that's a little blip. But let's say you have a movie, a narrative movie that's really, really, really well done. Mm-hmm. That's well at the box office. It's a good story. It's really, it's fictional. It's really well done. Yeah, and you know, and it, it gets nominated for Oscars. That's where awareness gets raised.
0: So, are you are you it's, writing so the script?
2: With, what did you say?
0: Are you writing the script?
2: I have thoughts of doing this, um, you know, a narrative film in the future. But there's, there's other steps I have uh, first, you in know. But, but I think it would be, you know, I think if you if you make a narrative film, I mean, I have ideas. It'd be a very interesting, powerful film too, because, um, you know, if you if you kind of get into the mind and the body of of what somebody goes through and show yeah. that perspective, it's yeah. a pretty interesting story. I, you know, I always think of like a. Christopher Nolan, or even a
0: David Lynch film, almost. So. <laughs> well, there's, you know, it's always, the stories are always dramatic. There's yes. always yeah. lots of drama uh, yes. to, to yeah. a person. So, you know, you don't have, you wouldn't have to use your imagination very much at all. You just borrow. And the other is it does, you know, people like yourself who are starting to have some success with treatment, there, mm-hmm. there is the, you know, the hero's journey. You know, absolutely where they're fighting their way out and they have obstacles to overcome, but, you know, toward the end, you know, things begin to look up.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's funny you mention that because, so when I, I, I'm very, as as you can tell, very much into the way things happen in the universe I'm very serendipitous in a sense. And when I started not feeling, when I, when I didn't know what was going on, I lived, so I, living in Los Angeles and my life kind of changed right away. I was like, oh, something's going on. And I moved within that month. You know, I just kind of disappeared from L.A. And during that month, I'm up in this little town called Ojai on a random weekday, you know, in the midst of not feeling great. But I was like, oh, I need to get away. And I run into Anthony Hopkins. And I know it doesn't sound like a big deal, but for me it was kind of an interesting sign of sorts that things were going to be okay. I don't know something about it like from the university and, and then on top of that my friend was a friend of mine was always like the film industry is not going anywhere LA is not going anywhere it's going to be there because my life literally physically like the way I mentally felt and liter and of course literally was kind of put on hold so then last night um, I ran into this, this a kind of serendipitous thing happened I felt connected to this as I've been really you know really feeling better and things shifting uh, I ran into a friend who has, who was pretty, you know, fairly successful in film. And, you know, I hadn't seen that person over three years. And I kind of don't, didn't really connect with anybody when I would, you know, uh, you know, go around. I, I, I really kind of, either I didn't, I lost contact on purpose with friends or I just kind of, I really didn't feel well enough. And it was kind of for me a sign of good things to come.
0: So you have a chapter called "Cultivating My Fire." Yeah, sure. So, sure. did you do you did you see a five element acupuncturist? Where does the fire come from?
2: So, I by nature am a very passionate, fiery person. That's you know what helped me direct films. That helped me. I mean, if you want to look into Ayur, the Ayurvedic side okay. of, of philosophy, uh-huh. what the what's fiery is like Pitta. Is it Pitta?
0: Yeah. You know what? I don't know. I'm a five-element person, so I was hoping we go in the five-element direction. Okay. Well,
2: yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) I don't know too much about five elements, but we all have certain – if you talk about five elements, we all have certain aspects of ourselves. So, um, for me, I'm a very fiery person, but that fire, when I start off feeling well, turned into total chaos. Yeah. Not just in my body, but in, but throughout coming back to the fear thing in the world, I would go out in the world and constantly like, and I hear this all the time with people. And I think it's partially, you know, how they're affected neurologically, but mm-hmm. also, um, you know, uh, you know, the, their, their their energy being so displaced, yes. so chaotic yep. so so and everything that they Did go you out get and panic so, attacks. I didn't get necessarily panic attacks, but my body was constantly, you know, I was constantly in a fog and my body constantly would not calm down. It yeah. was constantly uncomfortable. My vision was affected. And, you know, and I always had to eat. If I didn't eat, it was it, it turned into chaos. Huh. So, uh, you know, my thought, like cultivating my fire is like learning how to channel this energy in the right way. Because anytime I would try to move my life forward or do things, I would have bad interactions. I would say something wrong, that something would happen, t- you know, that they missed miss on my food order. It was just, it was constantly, not just the way I felt, but the way my, everything was in the world. So it was learning to channel that energy again, uh, or working on channeling that energy again for my healing and not constantly create chaotic situations. Because a lot of it for me, I felt um, was, I didn't just, it wasn't just me feeling not well. It seemed a big part of it was life created more chaos for me, like everything I would try to do. And it just seemed because I was so fired by my, my whole body because of the energy was so chaotic and that high energy and that fire had to go somewhere and it went inside and couldn't really have a place to come out if I was really fatigued, but it was still there. So was so learning how to cultivate that again for my benefit take a step back, breathe, um, you know, like just a lot of really trying to be totally mindful and present and also learning how to not react to people, not understanding. Um, just, I mean, you know, we we all, because of who our personalities are different, manifest differently, but that's how it manifested for me because that energy, coming back to that energy, that fire had to go somewhere right? and it just went
0: Chaotic. totally
2: all yeah. over the place. Yeah. If that makes anything I think that makes sense well it know?
0: does you know coming from my background it absolutely does uh the, you know, the, the fire can, can rage out of control and it can become toxic in nature too. A, a nice fire warms your house and keeps everything yeah. so the pipes don't freeze up here in central New York. That's a, that's a problem. And so you feel comfortable and you can have nice conversations. When things get too cold, everybody kind of just shivers and, and gets isolated. But on the other hand, if it gets too much, you know, you, you're in danger of burning your house down essentially exactly and, uh, then everything is uh, doesn't matter it's just there's there's you you can't deal with anything you have to get out you have to leave you can't have any yeah. relationships at all there's an exactly. interesting in in chinese medicine the the heart is in the fire element and the heart in okay. chinese medicine sometimes referred to as the supreme controller so they they kind of gave the different organs personality so this is the emperor and the emperor controls everything by doing nothing. So he's just by his presence, everybody does what they're supposed to do in the order that they're supposed to do. And when the heart gets upset, when things are too fiery, The heart gets upset, then kind of the kingdom underneath the emperor starts getting a little bit wonky, and it can go off in all kinds of bad directions. So it's really that's why it's about the panic attacks, because that's one of the things that happens is you kind of lose your yourself, and your heart beats rapidly, and your mind goes crazy.
2: Yeah, it is. Part of that, and it was, but it was more also a physical vibrating feeling, which is a very Bartonella symptom. And what would happen as well is. You know, your liver is connected to anger and frustration and a lot of anger, you know, constantly like all this ra- like anger. I think that's, you know, all this anger. The
0: lime rage.
2: Yeah, like kind of would, would come out because of how uncomfortable I would feel. Yeah. Um, so, because, like, again, back to cultivate my fire, that energy has to come out somehow. So it would just, like, it would burst out and then I'd be, t- you know, it was just very inconsistent
0: yeah so before we wrap up here, i want to ask you one last question. Yes yeah. so what is the ultimate transformation?
2: I mean, I guess it's finding total peace within yourself and being i mean what we want in life, like being happy and healthy and and everything um it's it's about like you know really like like the the ultimate transformation to me especially with 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 something like Lyme disease is These bacteria, these pathogens, take over your body. And as you heal and as you come out of it, you totally become something new. You totally transform. And to me, that's the ultimate transformation um, in regards to Lyme disease. And I hear it from every single person who's gotten better. They totally are a different person. They totally transformed. They totally shifted. They totally... um, you know went through this whole big experience and and came out on the other end ahead it's like going to war in a sense you know you go to war and it's this battle but you become stronger in the end for it yeah so that's kind of the ultimate transformation if that makes sense
0: absolutely beautiful (laughs) that's beautiful so, in wrapping up, you've been very generous with your time. And oh, yeah, of course. I appreciate it. And so tell people where they can find your book, where they can find you.
2: Yeah, um, my book is on Amazon. It's called The Ultimate Transformation. Um, if it's it, you know, I don't I only have a Kindle version of the book right now. I might uh, have a paperback version in the future. Um, my blog is uh, creatingreality1.wordpress.com, which is uh, where my book came from. Um, and if you want to contact me, uh, you can contact me at, jasonboritz at gmail.com. Um And yeah, and and, and uh,
0: <laughs> you're 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 very humble. This, yeah, uh, I just want to, to to let everybody know his book is really amazing because it gets into the nitty gritty of tips like you know put your protocol on the refrigerator, you know, and going over the the health kind of things like your gut health, detoxing, how to exercise, as well as these. I mean, we spend a lot of time talking about these meta and spiritual aspects, which really. Ultimately, or at the heart of it, that they are the ultimate transformation. You know, once you get into finding what works, it's like in order to find what works, you have to go through these transformations. I think that's what you're, you know, saying in, yeah. in, in a much yeah. more eloquent way. Um, I'm kind of just beating the point with a with a sledgehammer here. It's what you get for working on a farm? <laughs> just make it fit. Thump thump thump. <laughs> but uh yeah so i encourage people to go ahead and check the book out and you can get a kindle app on your iphone or your ipad or even on your computer so it's it's easy to read uh it's a great read um you've done a wonderful job
2: and thank uh, you i appreciate that i, I just, appreciate that yeah and it's yeah and it you can get kindle for free it's very uh it's very easy to get it 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 amazon wants who to download it's very quick so
0: yeah and uh just want to encourage you to keep on this journey we we need a breakthrough in Lyme awareness uh you know I think treatment is actually we we do okay with treatment it'd be wonderful if we could find a silver bullet that you know really did it but I don't I'm starting to think it's not a silver bullet disease that it really is multi-level. So it's really going to take a change of awareness of how we doctor ourselves and how we tend to ourselves. It is going to be an ultimate transformation out in the world as well. I think that's really where Lyme is leading the universe or healthcare or however you want to say that. Um, so, you know, whatever you can do to keep getting the word out there, write another book, write a screenplay, just keep going, man. Yeah, I agree. I just, you
2: know, there, there, there's, a bigger reason why somebody like me who knew n- before this knew nothing about Lyme disease, you know, got it. And I, I, believe in that. And, um, it's, you know, it, it was kind of, I felt very important to write this book to to help, you know, to like I said, help others and raise more awareness about some, you know, about what somebody really goes through, um, when they deal with, with, with Lyme disease and how, how much it really, really affects their lives. what well, people have no idea or realize, you know, so.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much.
2: You yeah. Know let what? me know when I post. Cause I have uh, a lot of, yeah, I can easily, you know, I can, you know, there's, I know thousands of people. I can get this out to. So
0: fantastic! I'm sure they're going to want to hear from you. It's a great interview. You do a good job. So get on yeah, NPR. No, get the word out. I
2: mean, I've uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> speaking in front of film crafts, you know, it helps too. So, but yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I really, I really appreciate this, and and uh, you know, uh, doing this interview. Thank you.
0: All right, Jason. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Bye.
1: Great interview. It's really cool to hear Jason board's perspective as a storyteller. In what way? Well, because you asked this question of what will it take to take to make Lyme disease go mainstream, and yep. his response was create a narrative or I think it was specifically create a fictional narrative. That people can understand and kind of get behind.
0: People can relate to and people can yeah. get behind and understand. Storytelling is the way to get into people's hearts and souls. Yeah. As a matter of fact, there's a neurological, let me say that again, there's a neurological phenomenon in storytelling where there's special neurons in the brain that will literally sync up with the person telling the story. And once that happens, they follow through the emotional part. So no amount of yelling, no amount of protesting, no amount of Facebook posting will do that. But telling stories, telling a narrative will accomplish that. It's pretty incredible when you think about it. Yeah. So if you have a great idea for a story, uh, contact Jason or start writing.
1: Yeah. Well, it's really cool because that's kind of what we're doing is we're letting people share their stories, too, not to toot our own horn or anything. But
0: Ah, you know what? You do have a point there.
1: We do. We just don't have
0: a meta story to cover the entire Lyme disease. That's true.
1: That's true.
0: Telling small stories here and there. Yep. All right. If you need a little more Lyme Ninja in your life.
1: Go to LymeNinjaRadio.com. There you can find all 45 past episodes.
0: I archive all the episodes so you can go back and listen to them again and again and again and again. The best way to learn, the best way to learn, the ninja way to learn is by repetition. You'll hear something new and deepen your understanding each time you listen. So go ahead back to the website and have a listen. Yep.
1: On the website, you can also sign up for our Ninja Insider mailing list and pick up the Lime Ninja Brain Fog Protocol as our thank you.
0: But wait, that's not all.
1: <laughs> Lime Ninja Radio is also on iTunes, Stitcher, Twitter, and Facebook.
0: And lastly, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja Fact of the Day.
1: <laughs> Did you know ninja homes do not have light switches? When a ninja enters a room, she doesn't turn the lights on, she turns the dark off.